0: Hello everyone. Welcome into this episode of the sports plus podcast for the week of April 12th. I'm Corey Miller here with Frank Cusimano and Andy Muller. Let's hop right into it. We'll start with the blues this week. And uh, today was a big day. We're recording this on Monday or well, I guess it was a big day for some teams, but not the blues. It's the NHL trade deadline and the blues opted to stand Pat, uh, kind of what everybody expected them to do after the last week or so. Frank, not necessarily surprised, but with this recent bit of good feeling and a three game win streak, do you think they would have done something without that kind of feel good uh, that oh, they've for had these sure. last few games? For sure. I mean, in fact, I said uh, on the radio that
1: last week, like Wednesday or Thursday after Mike Hoffman had been scratched for the third time in six games that Mike Hoffman has as much chance of playing for the blues next week as I do. <laughs> so then all of a sudden on Saturday, He's the best player on the ice. He scores two goals. They have two electrifying wins. And Robert Thomas is hurt. They can't get to the postseason, I don't think, without this sniper. So, yeah, I I think they made the right move. And, you know, um, I I will say this. As inconsistent and as mediocre as this season has been, with everybody getting healthy and with every game with a playoff atmosphere, who knows, not only can they make the playoffs – they may be so tested tough when the playoffs begin
0: that they can win a round or two. I'm kind of bullish on the blues as we speak. I mean uh, we we've seen this movie before and it was a lot more depressing of a movie when we saw it the first time. Uh, Andy, it's been like Frank said, it's been inconsistent. It's been a struggle, but these last three games have felt mm-hmm. like a team really starting to find their mojo. What do you think's been the key?
2: Uh, you know, you'd like to say it was something just as simple as you know Jordan Bennington firing up the troops with uh, you know we're coming, but it's it's obviously more than that. Uh, I I wish I could I could put a finger on it, but it seems like collectively the players have 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 kind of gotten you know this this collective thought going through that oh yeah it's almost time for the playoffs we better get uh, we better get our our, our stuff in gear.
0: It's been fun seeing Ryan O'Reilly kind of kind of take the reins there, too, at least over the weekend with the hat trick. And then that crazy backhanded goal that went in overtime. Are you kidding me? That was pretty cool. Uh, Frank, you touched on Mike Hoffman. I'm going to go back to him because he's the guy I think most people he's all the discussion around Mike Hoffman right now. Because like you said, there's a real good chance he wasn't going to be on the team. That Ruby and him dynamic seems like a really interesting thing. How do you see their relationship?
1: Well, they just they don't mesh I, I don't think there's anything personal there but i think that you know coach Barubi is all about two-way players i mean he'll take Jaden schwartz scoring 10 goals over mike hoffman scoring 22 goals if schwartz is more a little a little more defensive oriented so but the blues had to make a move to get hoffman because you were so uncertain about vladimir Teresenko. in fact you still are uncertain about him you need a freaking sniper and I don't blame Hoffman. In fact, you know, I, I wonder if coach Barubi has put, you know, enough talented skilled players around him when he has played. So I, I think they get a long fine. I just think there's you know, drastically different in terms of style.
0: Let's move on. Yeah. Talks. Oh, Andy's got something. Go <laughs> ahead. Andy.
2: <laughs> no, I was just going to kind of uh, throw the theory out there that, uh, you know, Baruby kind of kind of had to send that message to David Perron a couple of weeks or a couple of years ago. Uh, when Perron came back, that uh, uh, you know your your play is not up to the expectation that I have for you, and so we're going to send a message to you by by putting you on the you know putting you up in the press box, and it certainly worked in Perron's case because he's he's he really has has gotten the message since then, and I I don't know if maybe Hoffman's a little bit too far along in his career to be able to change his stripes, but I. I think Berube would like to have at least a little bit of defense out of him. Uh, and if he shows any interest in playing that, playing that, uh, you know, the two-way game there, then, then obviously he's going to help help the team out as well as give himself more playing time.
3: It's going to move
0: on, but I just thought of something else that I didn't put in our rundown that I saw on, on Twitter this morning and Andy liked it. So I know he saw it too. Uh, the anniversary of, you're going to have to explain this to me, the, the St. Louis blues history Twitter account, which is a great, a great Twitter account about the Blackhawks getting stuck in the locker room at the old <laughs> arena or something. I, I'm going to need you to give me a history lesson. here. Uh,
2: well, it was uh, yeah, it was, it was a playoff game. And, and of course back then that was the blues and the Blackhawks were, you know, were, were heated rivals and, you know, the, they went into the, the uh, locker room between periods, players came out, but the coaches got stuck in their uh, stuck in their office and couldn't get out i guess i don't know if the door was locked from the outside in or you know or whatever but they couldn't get it open from the outside and they actually had to take a forklift <laughs> and and pry the door open to get the coaches out it was it was, <laughs> it was pretty hysterical and and the uh you know the blackhawks tv network caught it uh, as it was happening so yeah I, it's not too often that that uh, something like that happens, but it, it sure didn't. It was one of those big metal doors. Yeah. Once you once that once the forklift did its thing, you could hear the pop as the as the door came, you know, came uh, you know, got on, um, you know, got separated from the lock or whatever. It was pretty funny.
0: <laughs> All right. Now let's move on. We'll talk some some cardinals after an exciting opening day at Bush Stadium. Thanks to Nolan Arenado. Uh, quite boring through the first eight innings, but then Nolan Arenado rides, rides into action, saves the day. And, and we're talking about a memory everybody's going to be talking about for years to come. Cardinals did end up fizzling out, lost the series to the Brewers, just a game over 500 heading into this week against the Nats. I think they got the Phillies later in the week, number of things to be worried about after a week. But right now, Annie, what has you most concerned as you watch this Cardinals team? Well, you, you, yeah.
2: You, you got me uh, you got me the you fed me the easy answer the fastball right down the middle of the plate so to speak uh, the, the biggest thing that concerns me is that the the bullpen is going to be is, is going to be gassed before the end of the month if the starters don't uh, don't figure out a way to get beyond the second inning um, or the third inning even um, the starting staff has been, has been very disappointing to this to this point to their inability to get through the you know even the second turn of the of the lineup um and so uh that's the thing that's that has me the most concerned is you're going to have to get some help from your starters to allow the bullpen to do its thing you've got a great bullpen but you don't tax a great bullpen you use it to its effectiveness
0: yeah, they, they said Alex Reyes was going to get 100 innings, and people kind of laughed. How's uh, a reliever going to get 100 innings? Well, he might get there by the All-Star break. No, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, Frank, we've seen Paul DeYoung get hot before, and we've both been big Paul DeYoung guys, I know, and carry a team for a time in the past. That's not this Paul DeYoung right now. Heading into Monday's game, three for 31, virtually no impact other than that two-homer game he had in Cincinnati. They've kind of dropped him in the lineup. He was supposed to be that insurance behind – Goldschmidt and Arenado, not panning out so far. What are you seeing with De young right now?
1: Well, interesting to use the word seen because that's his whole dilemma right now. He's just not seeing the baseball at all. And you could argue that if you go back a little bit, like his last, like 750 at-bats, he hasn't seen it well for a long time. So um, you got to wonder, was the 30-homer season an aberration you know, I think one of the excuses we had for Paul, who I really like and respect, and he's still a dy- dynamic fielder, he's tr- terrific there, is that, um, was, was Paul DeYoung uh, a guy that you could really count on in the middle of the order? And, you know, he's obviously not, not a, you know, three, four, five hitter, even a six hitter right now. So the, the, the dilemma is that they don't have a backup you know, Sosa cannot hit, or he hasn't shown he can hit. So you're just going to have to keep trotting him out there. And it's early in the season where, you know, he's not worn out yet. You hope he can figure it out with a good swing to turn things around. But this is really a a difficult stretch for him.
0: One guy we don't have to be concerned about so far, Nolan Arenado hitting every game so far as a Cardinal. Frank, just, I mean, this guy is as advertised. How would you just encapsulate his first week as a Cardinal?
1: Well, I mean, it was, it was a Hollywood ending to opening day, but it's just, it's every day. I mean, when you hear like Ozzie Smith, the Hall of Famer gushing about him, and you hear the story from Adam Wainwright, how he used to send videos to Waino of him working out and hitting baseballs to try to impress the Cardinals. I mean, this guy, even though he's probably a Hall of Famer, is, is, you know, has the work ethic and the humility of the 25th player on the team. That's the most endearing thing about him. Did
2: I hear him talk? Did I hear him talking on the broadcast yesterday that, that he has a bat with him at the dinner table?
0: Yeah, I heard him say is that. that
2: what it is? <laughs> that's a that's a, that might be to the point of going overboard, but uh but it's certainly dedicated.
0: I think he's in I think he's in the right town uh for that for sure. Uh Andy, what do you make of the outfield so far? One of the one of the other questions here. Carlson, we've seen some power, we've seen a lot of good at-bats uh, just when I'm watching him. He, he works the count. It doesn't always work out in his favor, but I, I've liked his at-bats. He's hitting the ball hard. O'Neal, rough start. Now he's hurt. Williams has not impressed like they've hoped he had. Austin Dean, who they seem to love, is kind of showing him, uh, backing him up a little bit with some clutch hits off the bench. Now Thomas is back. It's kind of all over the place. What's uh? Who are you rolling out there if you could pick three guys at this present moment?
2: Uh, I would almost be pulling names out of a hat Um, aside from Carlson, obviously. Um, Yeah. He's been, he's had his moments. Uh, I think Justin Williams looks overwhelmed. And I think he even said, you know, well into the, you know, the, the first, beyond the first week of the season that he was still trying to, to, you know, get his footing and you know, and whatever, well, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a little bit too far along here. You're going to find yourself having to get your footing down at the, uh, you know, down at the, uh, you know, down in sojay at the extended, uh, you know, camp.
0: And that um, hold on, isn't that so weird? We, I, I've seen releases, it <laughs> says option to Soge, and I have to think about it for a second, because that just sounds ridiculous. It or is. Just
1: because... Just because Corey, your mind is in the gutter
0: when you think about Targaryen, <laughs> you think of other things. I mean, the hey, they got good that. baseball. Like Gateway Grizzlies baseball. Yeah. That's all they got there. <laughs>
2: but you know, it it couldn't be any better for John Mozalek to hop in his car if he wants to go check somebody out. He literally has about a five minute drive uh, across the river to get over there. So, I mean, it's strategically it's it's well placed, um, but. But getting back to the outfield, I'm, I'm really kind of at a loss as to,
1: as to what you do at this point. Well, i tell you what. I don't think they're going to go this route, but there are a bunch of guys sitting on the sidelines you know, looking for work like Kemp and Puig and Braun and Cespedes. Josh Riddick is out there. I mean, you know, it's, it's one thing to not have anybody on your major league roster in the outfield who can hit. You know, we're one of the few instances where you have your outfielders hitting six, seven, and eight. It's another others, you don't have anybody in the system. I mean, there's not an outfielder in the Cardinals system who looks like a dynamic offensive player. I mean, this is this is the same outfield that, that once had uh, Brock, Flood, and Maris or Reggie, Sanders, Edmonds, and Walker. And now, you know, we got guys that are not hitting 200. It's unbelievable.
0: I, I never thought uh, with how much grief Harrison Bader has gotten from the fan base over the years that they'd be clamoring for him back uh, but that is what's going on right now because at least if you put him out there, you know, you're going to get stellar defense and he'll give you at least what the rest of these guys are going to give you. And Frank, you just mentioning Ryan Braun as someone on, on the free agent market market and me picturing him in a Cardinals uniform, I think about gave me an aneurysm. Uh, <laughs> I can't, that would be just the wildest. That, I, this isn't on the script either, but who's the wildest guy you've ever seen in a Cardinals uniform that, that well, you didn't think it would happen?
1: I mean, A.J. Pruszynski showed up here one day. <laughs> uh, yeah. There have
0: been some others like,
1: oh, Fernando Valenzuela showed up here one day.
0: Will, uh, I, Will Clark probably looked weird in a Cardinals uniform for a while. Boy,
1: but he was so great to see here. Oh, my goodness. He was. was he great, that stretch? Heat, that was fun. Uh, who else? <laughs> Andy, uh, Bobby Bobby Bonds was here for a year. Dick Allen was here for a year.
2: Yeah. Um, I think that the, the whole Bobby Bonds experiment was uh, was was something else because he was supposed to be dynamic for that offense I and mean, I mean he broke his hand he you know he, I think he hurt a hamstring you know or whatever and ended up hitting 203 for you know for the for the season and promptly got traded again.
0: All right, that is the final buzzer. And we got an interesting uh, topic this week. Frank recently asked Ozzie Smith in an interview you're going to hear part of at the end of this podcast, if he could have been one other ball player for the day, who would he be? He picked Willie Mays great choice, obviously one of the, probably three most talented players ever play baseball. So our final buzzer question this week is if you could be one athlete in pro history and I'll go somebody who's playing now and somebody who, who has played in the past. So pick two guys, who would you be? Andy, you go minute, first. This is, you're saying a baseball player specific. Yeah, let's go. Let's go baseball player. I was going to open it to all athletes, but we're on baseball. So let's stick with baseball.
2: Um, well, I, you know, I don't think there's any question that, uh, that if I was uh, a player from the past, I'd want to be Nolan Ryan. I was always a, I was always a, you know, sort of a pitching fanatic and and I'm old enough to remember back when it was rare for a, a pitcher to strike out a hitter in inning. Uh, now it's just commonplace. I think I read a stat today that last year there was substantially more 100-plus mile an hour pitches in a 60-game season than there was the year before in a 162-game season. It's you know it's the, if you're not throwing 100, then then you're uh, you're probably not on a big league roster anymore um but ryan was the you know he was the anomaly back in those days and you know you never knew when he would go to the mound if he was going to throw a no hitter or not god he was so much fun to watch um but as far as a current player goes i mean i i think i think being mike mike trout would not be would not be a (laughs) bad
1: choice frank okay i think um old-time players I, i would be one of one i'd be one of these slugging first basemen who struck out a lot, hit home runs, and didn't care. Somebody like George Boomer Scott, you know, just <laughs> took a big swing, smiled, didn't give a rat's a if I struck out a lot, but would hit 30 and everybody'd love me. And yeah, just kind of an easygoing guy I'd like that. And then today, I think I'd go uh, Jordan Hicks. You know, to be able to throw a ball 100 and throw it easy and feel smooth. I, I think I like that.
0: How about I you? Think, I think. Uh, well. Just through the all full history of baseball, I think it'd be hard to to not say Mickey Mantle in his prime. Uh, that'd be that'd be tough to pass up because that would be pretty awesome. Uh, but I think, I mean, being Mark McGuire in nineteen ninety eight uh, would have to be uh, the top. That's probably what I'd pick. I just can't even imagine being the guy who everything is focused on for that year. And yeah, the the weight of the weight of history, I'm sure, it was heavy. And there was a lot of other stuff that came with it and a lot that came after it. We know, but for just one season to be Mark McGuire going for that race, I think that's who I would go with today. I mean, Trout, obviously, uh, obviously Andy said it'd be hard to pass that up, but uh, Ronald Acuna jr. Uh, just the last few games, even pretty much every time you watch a Braves game, he does something ridiculous. I think I got a buddy who's a Braves fan, just sent a text. Apparently he just scored on a pop, Like a pop fly behind second base, uh, made it into a sack fly. He scored on a routine, or he got a single on a routine grounder to shortstop yesterday. Uh, He can do literally everything. So I think I might want to be Ronald Acuna Jr. if I could be one person uh, in the big leagues today. So as I mentioned earlier, this week's spotlight interview is with the one and only Ozzy Smith. Ozzy and Frank talk about the Wizards' thoughts on Arenado as a Cardinal, if the whitey ball style of baseball. Could succeed in today's mlb and why he never ever turns down an autograph here's frank and ozzy
1: so i asked your former teammate andy vince like the other day that if he could change places with one baseball player in history have that guy's skill set who would it be and he said i'd like to be ozzy smith i'm wondering <laughs> if you could change places with one player in history who would you choose
3: um, one player. I don't know. That's kind of hard because there, you know, there's so many great players uh, that have played this wonderful game. And, you know, if I if I was just pressed against the wall and, and, and had to choose one, I, I guess I would say um, I'd say Willie Mays, you know, because I think Willie possessed all of the things that the true 5-2 player that we all would, would have loved to have been. Um, great arm, great running instincts, could hit with power, could hit for average. I mean, all of the things that encompasses what we would consider a complete baseball player, uh, I think Willie Mays possessed all of that.
1: Love that answer. You played with some great third basemen, Kenny Oberfell and Terry Pendleton. Imagine what it would be like if you played with Nolan Arenado. Would anybody get a base hit on the left side of the field? You
3: know, I I consider myself very lucky and very fortunate to have had the opportunity to play with some great third baseman's and you know, here in St. Louis, we 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 have had some, and 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 now possibly, uh, poss- We've seen some great ones, and this possibly could be the best of the, bunch. um, you know, from for what he can do from a range standpoint. You know, has a great arm and uh, work ethic. All of it, you know, is all rolled into one, and he's a great offensive player too. So this might be the, the, the most complete third baseman that we've, we've had a chance to see. Although all of the ones that I had a chance to play with that you mentioned all had a great set of hands, and uh, he certainly is in, in, in line right at the top as,
1: as, as far as third basemans go here in St. Louis. Everybody's talking about this infield right now with the Cardinals, but the 82-1, Obi, yourself, her, and Hernandez, do you think that's the best ever? You know, I would, I would
3: certainly consider it the best one that I had the opportunity to play with Frank, you know, uh, when you look, look at what we were able to accomplish as a team. And I'm not a numbers guy, you know, so I I don't know exactly what the numbers are, but I knew that coming to the ballpark every day, that uh, as a team, we were not as a defensive team, we were not going to beat ourselves. And that was the thing that was actually going to give us the advantage against our opponents. And I, I think it's the thing that that made us stand apart from the rest of the the league you know is our ability to catch and throw the baseball and that's where it starts you know you've got to be able to catch it and throw it and then hopefully the, all of the other things fall into place and we were certainly uh, one of the best defensive teams that uh, that was ever assembled
1: in your entire career you never struck out more than 50 times in a season now we're in this strikeout happy crazy major league baseball era What did Whitey do with you? Did you have some type of side bet about hitting the ball in the air? What did he do to make you help make you a great contact hitter?
3: Well, well, first of all, before we get into that, Frank, I think that you know when I came into the league because I didn't have a lot of power, I had to be a guy that kept the ball in play and didn't strike out. You You know, when you don't hit power, you know you have to be able to uh, you have to be able to put the ball in play. So I always took a lot of pride in in putting the ball in play. Um, and then when I came to St. The idea was to try and utilize speed, team speed, um, my overall speed, and the way for me to to utilize that Frank was to be able to uh, put the ball in play without putting it in the air. And Whitey came up, devised a a method uh, which included my making sure that I stay on top of the ball. When I got here in 1982. Uh, Chuck Hiller, who was a third base coach at the time, um, you know, used to take me down to the cage and we talked about, you know, what it was that I had to do to keep the ball out of the air. And so up until that point, I had no real formal teaching. I was just kind of going off of instincts. But then working with Chuck and understanding how to come down through it and stay on top of the ball, which, you know, they always try to throw the ball at the top of the strike zone and make you pop it up, which, which is what I was doing. Once I figured that out, then it made things a lot easier. And so the whole idea about keeping the ball out of the air was about my being able to utilize my speed. And what bet we had? Whitey and I had a bet that for every ground ball I hit, I'd get a dollar, and for every fly ball, I'd have to give him a dollar. And Frank, it didn't take long because midway the season, he said this bet is over. You know, (laughs) so at that point, I had learned the ball out of the air, and of course, playing on AstroTurf you know, being able to take advantage of that. And I think that some of the teams that were assembled in the eighties, we were really able to take advantage of, of not striking out a lot. And we knew that going into a season or going into a game that because of our ability to put the ball in play and the way that we could run, we were always going to put pressure on the defense and, and, um, the other teams that were assembled were, were usually assembled from an offensive standpoint. So it gave us a, a distinct advantage. Do you think there's any doubt that Whitey Ball could succeed in 2021? Whitey Ball could, could uh, succeed in any era, you know, because it's it's, it, it's it's really basics of what the game is all about, you know, being able to put the ball in play, being able to catch it and throw it, and not beat yourself, you know. Uh, we proved in the 80s that you didn't have to hit the ball out of the ballpark to win and win on a consistent basis. Now, it took a lot out, out of us because we had to run so much, but that was our game, and uh, we understood that, and we, we certainly took advantage of that. And uh, the fact that we could have th- three or four switch hitters in our lineups, too, which is which kind of a staple of Whitey's, or, uh, Whitey's ball clubs, where you had four or five guys in the lineup that were switch hitters, too, You know, made it a lot easier and um, made it a lot of fun coming to
1: the ballpark. You had great relationships with Lou Brock and Bob Gibson, but I always really enjoyed you being around Bob and the way you guys would dig at each other. Can you give our <laughs> listening audience or our viewing audience a little idea how you would chide back and forth?
3: Well, Frank, you know, it's, it's always special to be able to spend time and enjoy uh, the company of someone who you admired from a distance. And it was with both the guys. Uh, you know, Bob, believe it or not, was a, was a guy who enjoyed laugh, laughing and having fun. And I found that out, you know, as I got to know Bob, um, you know, he's just, one of, he's, a, he's just a great guy. He was a guy's guy who enjoyed life, uh, enjoyed the finer things in life. And, you know, we always gave each other a hard time. And I, I told him, I said, if I hit against you, I'd, I'd have tried to hit you right in your knee. And he says, I'm going to tell you what, if I had played shortstop, they wouldn't even know who you are. And he's probably right, Frank, you know, because he was that good of an athlete. For most people, I, I don't know if you know that he played with the Globetrotters. And um, I can remember going to Omaha for the College World Series uh one year, and when the car picked me up, there was a note in uh, that, that the guy handed me and and a picture, and the picture was Bob Gibson in uh in mid flight when he played with the Globetrotters, and he says, I used to, I used to see uh I, I see the basket from up here. <laughs> <laughs> Just a fun guy, man. And, uh, you know, people talk about him being mean. Once you were able to get by that, that exterior, man, you'd find a very wonderful and warm and, and funny guy.
1: Do you have an impression of this, uh, 2021 Cardinal team yet? Um, no, I think it's a little early yet, Frank. I think, you know, when you look
3: at them on paper, they, they look extremely good. And I, I, I believe that if in fact they, they pitch any at all. They, they're going to be very, very competitive. Whether or not that's enough to win it all, we don't know. But I, I think looking at them, especially when you look at their, their uh, interior defense right now, you know they're probably one of the better defenses in all of baseball right now. And um, like I say, if they get any pitching at all, they, they should have a great year.
1: Quick thought about your other passion in life, golf. The other day, some talented golfers had a closest to the pin competition. Of course, you win. I'm wondering, have you put as much passion into that sport as you did baseball?
3: <laughs> yeah, I do. You know, I, it, it's become one of these things where it, it, it you, it's an addiction. You know, I, I love hitting. I've always loved the process. And the process is, is practice, you know. And that's the only way you're going to get better. And, and yes, I love it. I've spent a lot of time doing it. It doesn't
1: always pay off, but, um, you know, <laughs> I enjoy it. And then a thought about how you are growing the game in St. Louis and how you're trying to bring it to the inner cities.
3: Well, you know, I'm trying to uh, expose kids. Uh, growing up in Southern California, I was never exposed to the game. And um, I wish I had, you know, I'd probably be a lot further along. I'd have a, a lower handicap, Frank, if, if, at this point, if, if I had. But uh, it's not only the, uh, the the game of golf itself, it's the business of golf that a lot of these kids need to be exposed uh, to and I'm just trying to do my part as a community uh, a person in the community that is going to afford kids the opportunity that they otherwise would not have
0: that'll do it for this episode of the sports plus podcast thank you for listening be sure to download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts as well as rate and review us catch us on Sunday nights as well at 10:30 on five on your side have a great week everyone